Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Long, long ago, there lived a man named Nehemiah. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to this Old Testament book called Nehemiah. We're beginning a series leading up to the summer entitled Nehemiah Now. See, sometimes when we think about the Old Testament, we think of characters in the Old Testament, whether it's Nehemiah or Abraham or David or Joseph or others, we think, I'm not so sure they can relate to what's going on in my family or in the workplace or in our community. Oh, I want to tell you, Nehemiah's going to speak to you and to me now. He's been speaking to me as I've been trying to prepare for today and as I prepare this next week. God's Word is like that. It's active and sharp and it's alive. And as we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit confirms things or convicts us of things or redirects our lives and, and leads us. And speaking of leadership, and I'm going to read in chapter 1 out of the NIV in just a moment. And if you don't have your copy of God's Word or you just want to look at the screen, you can, you can certainly do that. But we think about Nehemiah. He was cupbearer to the king. He was a very influential leader in the community. People trusted him. If you look up, do some history on what a cupbearer means, you know there needs to be some trust there. There needs to be some integrity. And so he obviously loved God, and God called him out, spoke to him, and he was a leader. If you are a Christian, then we have different levels of leadership. No matter what position you hold, no matter what age, we have influence. And we should have influence. It can be either good or it could be bad influence or somewhere in between. But we want it to be good and godly influence. Nehemiah, this man had great influence, but he didn't see it coming. God ever called you to do something or move somewhere or do something you didn't see coming? I've done that before. Didn't see it coming. But over time was convinced this is what God wants me to do as a step of faith. Well, that's Nehemiah. So God called him, and we're going to begin with chapter 1, and God used him in a matter to do great things in a matter of 52 days. That's not a long period of time. That's less than a couple of months. Sometimes there's a journey, and there's a slow turn before we see God starting to answer prayers and things coming together. Sometimes he does it pretty quick. I've met some people that were married, and they didn't know each other or date, but like three to six months. And I thought, wow, I don't know about that. But God knew about it because some of them have been married for decades. God can do what he wants to do. His timetable is not our timetable. His ways are not our ways. He is God, and we're not. So, Nehemiah, for now, I'm praying he'll just speak to all of us through these weeks together in this book. 
And I'm praying today that as we read, God will do something through his spirit that only he can do before we even get to the outline. Here we go. Verse 1, Nehemiah, the words of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a combination of two Hebrew words, Yahweh comforts. The son of Hekeliah in the month of Kislev, December. In the 20th year, meaning of the king's reign, he'd been in that position. While I was in the citadel of Susa, capital of the ancient world, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Homeboy was asking homeboys what was going on. What's God doing? What's not been done yet? I got to ask you guys some questions. They said to to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble, meaning there was great calamity, and disgraced, meaning there was some in misery. The wall of Jerusalem was broken down. Its gates had been burned with fire. When I heard these things, that's what he did. That's what Nehemiah did. He said, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and praised, prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and here we see a unique, very special prayer that I pray can remind us of how he wants to hear us pray from time to time. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you, We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the Father's horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people. See how he's just talking to God, reminding him of his precepts and promises, confessing sin and being guilty of some of the same sins of his people whom you redeemed, verse 10, by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayers of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And we're going to find out more next week who that man is. He's cupbearer to the king. So he's basically building up to saying, I'm about to go do something. I got a little, little anxiety going on, God. Help me. I'm about to do something because I love you and I believe it's what I'm supposed to do. More about that next week. I'm already getting into next week. I hadn't finished today. So it was a it was a it was a he was a person of rank, influence, of importance. Long, long ago there lived a man named Nehemiah, but he's for now. I heard a story about a lady. Mom was 
sitting with her little girl. She was about five, six years old. You know how we can go sit with our, our little boys or girls and read a story or pray with them. Well, she decided to tell her a little bit about when she was a little girl. She said, honey, when I was a little girl, I used to love to go out with my friends in my community. We played spotlight chase. It was kind of like chase, honey, and it was so much fun. Honey, I, I love to go out and ride my pony. I had a pony, and her eyes just kept getting bigger and bigger. She said, my mama would let me have M&Ms. You know how, like, you know, you eat candy sometimes. My favorite was M&Ms, and I'd count them, honey. I loved eating candy. I loved my friends. We had so much fun, and little girl's eyes just kept bigger, getting bigger and bigger, and she finally she stopped. Said, she said, mama, I sure wish I'd gotten to know you a long time ago. As we study Nehemiah, that could be what you say. And I say, I wish I'd gotten to know this fella a long time ago. Because I believe he got a word for us. Now, if you've got it, your listening sheet, your outline, you take mental notes, however you do it. Here's the first thing we're going to pull from the text this morning. God opened his eyes. Some of you may have your eyes open this morning. It may have already happened through the song, through a prayer, through something else, through a video. God may be calling you to be a missionary. You know, back in the, back in the day, sometimes during the invitation, the altar call, most times the pastor would say, you can come for salvation, you can come for member, membership, you can come, God's called you to ministry to be a missionary. We don't always say that, but it could be God's opened your eyes through something like this. said, you know what, more lost people... Come to Christ through a new church plant. Maybe it's time for me to go be a missionary in Las Vegas. You better hear from God if you go to Vegas. But he can do it. So God opened his eyes. Verse 2 clearly says that. And he spoke through others. Think of in the past or in, in your study of God's word. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in the New Testament. That was about salvation. He spoke through somebody else. Think about the, the subject of sin and Nathan and David, that prophet God used to break David over sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Think of Barnabas and John Mark. John Mark needed some encouragement. Barnabas, that son of encouragement, came and put courage in his heart, and therefore he fulfilled God's will and kept going in the direction that God called him to do. We know that God uses others to open our eyes to his will. Now, I'm pretty sure I speak for most churches after the pandemic that we experienced a few years ago or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. It was a challenging time for all of us, was it not? It's difficult. I don't care if you're in Mississippi, Florida, California, Bay, doesn't matter. There were a lot of things we experienced personally in our family and and our workplace, and schools, and masks. I'm telling you, at first, when they started telling me I was going to wear a mask, I kind of made fun of it. I'm just being honest. I thought, I ain't wearing no mask. Come on. Guess what? I started wearing a mask. You're supposed to listen to the government authorities, and there was a place for it. Now, in Florida, I think 
I don't know what happened to all the other states, but we had a season of that. And then they, op- they opened up pretty quickly, I, I understand it, from based on what some other folks went through. So I, I know I didn't, I didn't go through near as much as probably a lot of other people did. But I, but I know this. I know this. And I can't speak for your church, which is our church, East Haven. But I can speak for my church, which was the church I pastored in St. Pete, Florida, for eight and a half years, Fifth Avenue. We were just on the cusp of doing some renovating the buildings and building some momentum. It was a church revitalization situation, so I knew it was going to be different. It's like being on the mission field every day. Never pastored a church like that. It was something, and I learned so much. Ken and I both did. And so we were gradually making a turn, looking more like the community, moving in a direction, going to start renovating some buildings and doing some stuff, and boom, COVID shut us down, just like he did you, I'm sure, in some ways. And then we started meeting back, and it was tough as I know it was for you in a lot of churches. A lot of churches didn't experience it as bad as we did or you did or others. Some had to close their doors because people got in the habit of staying home, staying online, or just, it just they were having a tough time before then, and it just got difficult. So in the fall of 21, as we were trying to recover and, 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 and move forward, our attendance had dropped down, and it, it, was, it, was, it was just rough. We were in 2021, in the fall of 2021, we decided to do 40 days of prayer. We talked about prayer in Sunday school. We did a preaching and prayer. We did prayer events. It's like we've got, because we talked about little prayer, little power, a lot of prayer, a lot of power. So it was like, you know, it's probably a good idea to focus on prayer. I'm so glad we did. And so Kelly and I got together, and we started praying about specific things related to our family certainly related to our church family, Fifth Avenue, and related to our community, and related to our future because there had been, we were at the season in life where there's been some deaths in our family, and it was hard to drive 12 hours or these plane tickets were, you know, those can be costly. And so, God, what are you trying to do? We got grandkids. I've been away from my home state for 20 years. And, 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 and so here's, here's what happened through all that. God began to do a, do a work, work in the, in the life of our church and do some really cool and neat things. But there was something that he did in my life. And oftentimes God speaks through his word, and keep, in, keep this in mind if you're trying to make a make major decision. Sometimes God will or, or pierce your heart with a scripture and say, I believe that's God speaking to me by faith for the future. Now, you need to make sure it's God. You need some bad pizza one night, woke up with something weird on your mind. But you need to, you need to make sure. And I, I'm, I believe, and I shared it with Kelly, that through that, as God was speaking to us about the church and about our future, there was a passage in Genesis 31, verse 1 and following. said, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob was taking everything our father owned, and he gained all this wealth from what belonged to the father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. And this is what it said. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. I thought, 
Now, Lord, it appears to me, maybe, this may not be me, this may be you saying, you going to Mississippi at some point. So, I didn't do anything, thank the Lord, stupid or rash. It's kind of like when I was student minister at Morrison Heights for five years after year three, I went to my pastor, Dr. Ken, and said, God, Dr. Ken, God is calling me to be a senior pastor. He said, don't do anything stupid or rash. You start doing some more things, and we'll tell a few people, and we'll see what God does. Well, I thought it was going to happen in three months. Two years later, and I loved it in that position had my first church in Middleburg, Florida, outside of Jacksonville at 32. Two years later, and I, I never even heard of Middleburg. What is the, a Middleburg? It's a community of Jacksonville, and it was a great time. Four-plus years before he graciously allowed me to come back and, and pastor Marson Heights. So it was a similar kind of thing. I thought, okay, God, if this is you, you're going to show us. And I think it is. And some different things happened for the next year or so. There was a, and I told a few people, kind of like the pastor. Uh, Dr. Ken's friend, Ted Trailer is the one that recommended me to the church in Middleburg, Florida. And that's how it happened. So I told a few people that I was close to to be praying about it. A denominational position came up. And I thought, I really don't think that's me, but I got to be open, God. And thank the Lord that didn't work out because I wasn't a fit for that. That wasn't it. But I had to be open. I had a word, and I felt like, okay, you can't be picky. you got to be open. So that wasn't it. It was like, whew, I didn't think it was, but I, I was being open. There was a pair of church ministry that came up. At first, I thought it was it. I really did. But I realized as we talked more on a journey, they were far more political than I am. It would have been a bad scene. It was not right. So I'm thankful. That wasn't it. It wasn't the organization that it was 20 years ago, and I found that out through time. That wasn't it. And then there was a, there was a staff position in a large church in the state, and because of what they were wanting me to do in a particular location, I thought, I got to be open to this, though I don't think the position fits in a way. Some of it does, some of it doesn't, and I'm telling y'all, Dodged a bullet on that one. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. Then there was a, uh, what, what, what we would describe as a, 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 moral, a more small community-type church, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just never pastored in a, in a rural kind of area, but I knew I needed to be open because just God was calling me. You got to be open. Doesn't matter what size, doesn't matter. You've been called to pastor and to preach and to lead. And the more we talked, the more I realized that wasn't it. We would not have been a good marriage for each other. Somebody would have got hurt. <laughs> it would have been rough because I'm, I'm a leader. And so I, 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 don't, I'm, I can't just sit there. And I ain't sitting there. And so I realized this ain't it. That wasn't it. So all of this happens within a year, all last year. 
I have one voicemail that I save. I'm a quick deleter. But I got one from December 1st from a man named Kenny Goza. It's Kenny Goza. He told me the pastor friend that suggested they call me. It's a guy that's a friend of mine, but we're not tight. We're not close. But he evidently had heard from a close friend that I'd be open to coming coming back to Mississippi if it was a right fit for them and for me. And, and I'm telling you, it was less than 52 days when God started putting this thing together. I met the search committee. I met some of you. And I'm just telling you, by faith, it was like, this is it. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I thought God was doing. I left out one. Let me tell you what I thought was happening. The church where I grew up at First Baptist Kosciuszko had had a pastor, Barry Corbett, wonderful man, for decades. I'm talking like 30-something years. Barry retired, and I thought, mm-hmm, that's it. I got to serve in Clinton where I graduated from high school. I'm going to get to go serve where my daddy served. First Baptist Kosciuszko. They started looking. I had some people. Ted Trailer told me years ago, he says, you don't seek a position, you let it seek you. So I, had, I didn't do anything, but I had some guys say, man, I, I gave your name. These guys I grew up with. And I thought, how cool it would be to pastor where my daddy did. A lot of reminiscing. I, I'd have a head start. A lot of those guys are deacons I played little league baseball with. There are all these things humanly I thought was go, were going to happen. My phone never rang. I got the name of the search committee. More than half of them didn't even know who I was. They didn't remember my dad. I'd been, I'd been gone from there since I was 15 years old. I'm a little older than that now. But I had a close friend that was on the search committee. So he was the one that was, you know, but they were all so good because they were looking for God's man. And my friend Gary said, we're looking. This is not what I want. He said, I'm doing this. I just listened. He said, but, it's a, but he had no idea until after it was all over. I was praying for those committee members by name. I said, dear God, please let me go home to where my daddy passed. Please let me do that. I was crying out. Never, ever heard a word. And I was just like, God, I don't, I don't understand. I know they didn't know my daddy. A lot of them didn't, and I know. And, and I know some people, they, don't, they look at an age instead of looking at the person. You can do that, and I appreciate it. There's people that are 40 that are a lot older than I am. So what I'm trying to say is, God opened my eyes through other people, and he said, this is where I want you to go. Now, I want to ask you something. Is God opening your eyes to something today? Now, it may or may not be something about moving or taking another job. It might be about a, a sin or it might be about something in your family. You need to put your foot down in Jesus' name because he's been leading you to do so. It may be, again, that God's calling you to do something and he's Opening your eyes to something. Obey him. His will is best. We have to trust his heart. By the way, they got a guy and they're celebrating a 180 or 200 year anniversary in August. And that guy has asked me to preach one of the four Sundays, Sunday mornings in First Baptist Kosciuszko. I'm looking forward to it. Let me tell you something. 
God knows better than I do and you do about what he wants you to accomplish and do in your will. We better listen to him. We better open our eyes. And we better understand he can speak to us fresh and anew from his word and through his people. God uses people to open our eyes. That's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. 52 days. Secondly, he didn't just open his eyes, he broke his heart. Verse 4 says that he wept. Now, he wasn't a pansy. He wasn't a sissy. Some people say, well, you must be a sissy. You're crying. Jesus wept. Now, if you cut your little finger and you're, you know, an adult and you start crying, that might, you know, maybe you are a pansy. But, uh-oh, my wife said she's doing this. Sissy, that's a bad choice of words, maybe. <clears throat> Godly men do cry. My dad was one, didn't cry over a cut finger. Man, he was a baller in Clinton High at MC, played basketball, Chris, back in the day. He was good. Man, he, he, he'd cry. He, he, had a tender, he had a tender heart. Sometimes we cry over things that, probably aren't that important, big scheme of things. We don't get our way. Our team loses. We need to have a tender heart toward the things of God. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He was, he was hurt because God's name wasn't being honored because of the, the destructive walls, the protective walls that had been torn down. Psalm thirty-four, fifteen says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You will not despise. And the Bible says that Jesus wept over the lost sheep of Israel. Sometimes we cry, might not ought to cry. Now, some of you listen to country music. I never was a big old fan of country music. Uh, my, my, my daughter, Haley, which you'll meet on Mother's Day, God willing, will, she, she kind of said, you need to listen to some of this country music. Some of it's awful. So is some other genres of music. But some of it to me was funny. You know, if you can sing about a truck and a dog and eating barbecue, you can write a country song. I thought, man, I've been missing my calling. I could write some country music, and I might can sing like some of them do. Uh, I ain't that bad. But here's one called, Dad Gave My Dog Away. Now, listen to these words. Now, I'm going somewhere. My dad gave me a brand-new bike, a streamlined one of blue, and it had silver lines for trimming, and it had all the extras, too. I looked it over, but I knew I would, it would never repay. For what my daddy did to me, he gave my dog away. I know dogs are a lot of work. If folks don't want them there, you know, you have to feed and water them and house them too with lots of care. But it was fun for me because we'd always romp and play, but without asking me at all, dad gave my dog away. 
I hurried home from school last night, and with the usual glee, I raced to Bruce's little house. I guess his dog's name was Bruce. But he didn't rush to me, and I asked Dad if he'd seen Bruce. But Dad, he wouldn't say, and Mother, she told me afterwards that Dad gave my dog away. Now, I know that a new bike cost a lot, and it would please many boys, but I would gladly trade mine for small Bruce's playful noise. And though I think both Mom and Dad, and they thought me quite gay, I hurried to my room to cry because Dad gave my dog away. Dad says that boys outgrow such things as counting dogs as friends. He says that I'll have to learn all childish hurts do mend. And so he thought the bike for me, it just stands there blue and gray. He bought it, but it's just a reminder that he gave my dog away. You know, when I'm grown and I have a lad who will want a dog. Now, this is a grown adult now, man. Instead of bikes and other costly things, I'll never turn my head. I'll think of all the grief I knew when I came out to play and those small paws bounced on my knees. Dad gave my dog away. Please, dear God, send me another dog. Please, God, because Dad, tearfully, Dad gave my dog away. Now, I I want you to know I can relate to this. I was in college. My dad gave my dog away. I went off to work one summer. I'd bought a big old basset hound. She was a female dog named Walter. <laughs> now, on the, on the books, she's Walterina, but she just looked like a Walter. So we called her Walter. My dad gave that hound dog away when I was in college. So I can relate to this song, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm a dog person. It's tough losing dogs, you know, even as an adult. And I've cried. You've, some of you have cried. Some people don't get us when we're dog people or animal people. But, so I'm not making light of that. The reason I, I read that is kind of funny. But it's also just a reminder. Our tears, our tears as, as adults, as believers, if we measured them through the things of God and the things that really meant nothing in light of eternity, I wonder how much water would be in each bottle. It's just something for us to think about. Tell you what Nehemiah did. He cried and wept over the things of God because he saw God not being glorified. He saw God's people hurting. He saw that so much could be done, and it just broke his heart, and he fasted, and he prayed, and he cried. Sometimes we need to shed a tear over a lost person that hadn't come to Christ, over somebody that's gotten away out of fellowship with God, or over something else that may go on in your business or your family or your church. There's a place for it. Thirdly, God led him to pray. Verse 5 and 6 and following, we see that he started praying and read that prayer. Chuck Swindoll says the first and only thing that will work is usually sometimes the last thing we try. It's prayer. Alan Redpath said there's too much work working before men and too little waiting before God. We need to pray. Nehemiah's prayer in this passage, in this text, from probably verse 5 to the, toward the end was broke, could be broken down in four parts, in four sections. Here's the four words under major point number three. Here's the first one, praise. He praised God. I don't know about you, but when I'm reminded of who I'm praying to, who God is, the God of all creation, the God that knows all, the God that can get somewhere like that, that doesn't have to because he already knows, the God who sent his son Jesus, the God of grace and mercy, the God is love, it reminds me, oh, this is God I'm talking to. He can handle it. 
There's another part of the prayer we see, and it's penitence, ownership of sin. Tony Evans said, a real man says, I identify with this problem, and he says, I own it. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, being broken and confessing sin, making the fellowship right with God. Third part of this prayer is promises. God has given his people promises, and he reminds them of a promise. Jeremiah 33.3 says, for example, a promise, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things in which you do not know. That's a promise. We can recite promises during our prayer to God. Talk to him. Cry out to him. That's what he did. And then there's the petition. Nehemiah was specific about his prayer request, about going before his boss. We'll get in there next week. God may be talking to somebody here today. It may be that a group this size, more than likely, somebody during the invitation may very well not need to stay there and sing, but may need to come and storm the stage because you need some accountability with God or maybe your spouse or somebody else. I don't know, but God does. Just listen to him. Don't hurry through the day or hurry through the hour or hurry through the next hour and miss what God may be saying. God may be talking to somebody today about something that you need to make right. Family, job, major decision, sin, talk with God. Don't complain. Don't worry. Long, long ago, there lived a man named Nehemiah. 